Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing a Neuroform article, which is a journal club paper written by trainees. This particular Neuroform is entitled, May the Power Be With You? Are There Highly Powered Studies in Neuroscience, and How Can We Get More of Them? And is a mini-review of recent work on statistical power in neuroscience. Before we begin, let's meet our guests. My name is David Mailer. I'm a final year MD-PhD student in neuroimaging at the Cardiff University Brain Research Imaging Center, short Kubrick, based in Wales in the UK. I'm working in the lab of David Linden on clinical applications of fMRI neurofeedback training. In my work, I focused mainly on fMRI neurofeedback as a therapeutic tool to treat depression and improve motor rehabilitation. My name is Johannes Algermissen. I am a first-year PhD student in computational cognitive neuroscience at the Donners Institute for Brain Cognition and Behavior at Rapport University Nijmegen in the Netherlands. I'm working in the lab of Hanneken and Auden on reinforcement learning and decision-making, especially on how humans decide which decision strategies to rely on. Please give us a brief explanation of the concept of statistical power. So, statistical power describes the probability of a statistical test to detect an effect. If power is very high, you're likely to find the effect you're looking for. And if it is low, you're likely to miss the effect you're looking for. Statistical power depends on the size of the effect you're looking for, the size of our sample, and the set alpha level. So usually P is smaller than 0.05. Power reflects how unlikely it is for us to make a false negative error. That means to conclude that there is no effect when there actually is an effect. In the past, researchers have often focused overly on false positive errors, meaning to see an effect that is actually not there. This is determined by the alpha level. However, when we are committing a false negative error, then we are missing an effect that actually is there. And that's equally bad for science, because if you're likely to miss the effect you're looking for anyway, because your study is underpowered, that means you're wasting resources, such as time and money. What were the findings in the papers you discussed in your Neuroform? Our Neuroform article discusses a recent paper that reanalyzed data from an existing meta-analysis that was originally published by Kate Button and colleagues in 2013. Button and colleagues diagnosed back then a power failure for neuroscience. Specifically, they estimated a median power of only 21% for published literature. In other words, only one in five studies could actually detect the effect it had investigated. This is indeed a very alarming result. However, it remained an open question whether the median is in fact a representative measure for a sample that seemed rather heterogeneous. In fact, Button and colleagues themselves noted that some studies of their sample featured very high power. More recently, Camilla Nord and colleagues reanalyzed those data using a technique called Gaussian mixture modeling. This technique allows to detect whether there are separate subpopulations of studies in the data and thus allows to assess diversity within the sample. Indeed, Nord and colleagues found a subset of studies that featured very high power. They also found that different subfields in neuroscience varied with regards to power. For example, neurogenetics studies tended to have very low power. This finding corroborates earlier reports of low power for neurogenetics. However, we note in our review that it should be considered that the papers that were included were originally published in 2011. 
Since then, especially genetics and imaging genetics have addressed their power problem, mainly by forming large consortia. One example for a large consortium that combines genetic and imaging research is ENIGMA, which stands for Enhancing Neuroimaging Genetics Through Meta-Analysis. Researchers can contribute data to consortia such as ENIGMA and thereby help building up a database with sufficient power that allows detecting even small effects. Also, consortia allow standardizing processing steps and quality control and thereby minimize errors. What do you propose to increase power in neuroscience studies? The best way to increase power is always to collect more data from more independent sources, meaning more subjects. However, we suggest three additional approaches that can increase power. First, researchers should define the smallest effect size they still consider worth detecting before starting to collect data. For instance, in clinical medicine, researchers define so-called minimal clinically important differences for an outcome measure based on clinical experience. In non-clinical work, this decision should be based on theory, but in reality may also depend on practical circumstances such as limited resources. Researchers should design their studies to be able to detect those effect sizes. If they then find no effect, they can conclude that the effect is practically zero. Only power based on a priori set effect sizes are meaningful because postdoc power calculations based on found effect sizes are just a mere transformation of the p-value and thus it don't really contain any additional information beyond the p-value. In fact, once a smallest effect size of interest is set, people do not have to rely on estimated effect sizes or on estimates from small underpowered studies. One way to do this is by comparing your effect size and confidence interval against the range of smallest effect sizes of interest you have defined. There's also a library for the free software package called the Toaster Package, which has been developed by Daniel Larkins at Eindhoven University. And another option for researchers to increase their power is to use mixed effects models when they analyze nested data. For example, multiple trials of a task performed by the same subject. Using mixed effects models retains high power than just averaging all the data within one subject. This is because mixed effects models rate subjects by their relative uncertainty, giving more weight to subjects with higher certainty in the estimates and less weight to subjects with lower certainty. For example, for subjects with very extreme mean values, so like outliers, or subjects with very high standard errors. And mixed models thus comprise all the collected data and yield more robust estimates in the end. So they are much more economical and a more efficient way to use your data. So there's no need to aggregate anymore. A third development we highlight are new technologies that allow researchers to fine-tune and optimize their experiments in real-time. For instance, one technique that has been recently introduced is real-time neuroadaptive Bayesian optimization, which has been developed by Romy Lawrence and Robert Leach at Imperial College London. For example, researchers may want to investigate which cognitive tasks can optimally disambiguate activity between overlapping yet distinct brain networks. Real-time optimization algorithms can explore a given set of experimental paradigms and learn which stimuli can maximize the response difference between two networks. Another potential application are brain stimulation and entrainment studies where an optimization algorithm can learn subject-specific frequency and intensity settings that yield large brain responses. Lastly, similar techniques can also be used to improve the average data quality when data is being acquired. For instance, one concern in neuroimaging experiments, especially fMRI, is head motion. 
Traditionally, researchers had to discard images that contained a lot of head motion above a certain threshold. When working with patients or children, head motion can become a tremendous concern and discarding many data points decreases the power of an experiment. Thanks to recent work by Nico Dosenbach at Washington University in St. Louis, researchers can now monitor head motion in real time and adapt sequences to yield a desired ratio of images that contain small head motion. What did you learn from the experience of writing a Neuroforum article, submitting it, and responding to reviewer questions? As grad students, we found it a great experience to be guided in discussing published work in a constructive way. Collaborating on this article has been very insightful and rewarding. We both share strong interests in statistics and open science methods. This article gave us an opportunity to dive deeper into the topic and explore a substantial part of the relevant literature with the goal in mind to publish our own review. At first, we were very critical of the article, but the reviewers advised us to focus more on the contribution the article actually made. Also, our first version of the manuscript was quite technical still, and the reviewers pointed us to spots in the manuscript that needed some more work to make them accessible to a wider audience. All in all, it was a great experience, I think, and submission and the subsequent exchange with the reviewers went very smooth and pleasant. So, all in all, we would definitely recommend Neuroform format to other early career researchers. What are the next steps in your research careers? So I just started as a PhD student half a year ago, and um, I'm currently analyzing data from a combined EGFMRI study, which we investigated the implementation of motivational biases in the basic ganglia and how people are able to overcome those biases. And in the future, I will probably investigate the trade-off between different sorts of decision strategies, especially focusing on Pavlovian versus instrumental control of action. I'm about to finish my PhD and will go back to clinical medicine for another two years to finish my degree. During that period, I will focus working on existing open science data sets and brainstorm about postdoc opportunities. And um, Johannes and I are also collaborating on other meta-research topics, and we are thinking about uh, launching our own blog. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in a discussion of the article, May the Power Be With You, Are There Highly Powered Studies in Neuroscience? And how can we get more of them? Part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology.